Okay, so as we get started, uh, as we approach God's Word, uh, let's, let's just spend a few moments um, in prayer together and then see all that God uh, might have for us. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace, your mercy, your kindness. God, we pray that as we open up your Word, great things would happen. Not for our glory, God, but for yours alone. And so, God, I'm asking that you might be with each person here in a very special way. Would you communicate your love and your presence into their minds and hearts? God, I pray for anybody in this gym that does not yet know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that you might really soften them, help them see the great love of Christ for them. And Lord, I also pray for every Christian in this gym that you might build them up, that you might edify them, you might empower them, inspire them to grow in grace and to lay their lives down for you in a new way that maybe they haven't considered before. And so God, we pray that you might do a good work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we approach this second week of gospel preaching, last week we talked about the gospel part one, this week we're talking about the gospel part two, I I wonder what puts fire in your bones. I wonder what puts fire in your soul and in your mind. What gets you excited? What makes you feel deep things about your life, about God, about where you're going? That might be a variety of things, but I wonder what stirs you this morning. Well, social justice is defined as a belief in human equality, especially with respect to social, political, and economic affairs. So social justice is all the rage in our society right now. If you want to be caught up, if you want to be cutting edge, if you want to be, you know, with everybody else, you have got to be on the edge of this topic called social justice. And so I I wanted to bring a message this morning that dealt with the character of God and his justice over our creation. And I want to bring that because last week we talked about the gospel in regards to God's holiness. And, And this week the Holy Spirit was leaning on me in a way that says we need to talk about the justice of our God. And social justice, especially how the gospel relates to social justice. Now, Dr. Martin Luther King said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And he also said, True peace is not merely the absence of tension, but true peace is the presence of justice. I agree with that. The Pledge of Allegiance. How many of you grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school? Yeah? And yeah, so 
The end of the Pledge of Allegiance comes to mind in this topic of justice. At the end of our pledge, it says, One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I agree with these sentiments. Socially, as a pastor, as a Christian, I agree that justice is very important within our culture. But I also want to bring the Bible to bear on your heart and on mine this morning regarding this topic, because I believe very strongly, 100% of my heart and mind, I believe that true justice can only be understood through the gospel. Amen? True justice can only be understood through the gospel of God's grace. Romans 3.26, God is just, and he is the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. So for me, as I look at our culture today, social justice and all the movement of justice is not bad. It is good. It's good for us to be making progress in this area. But what burdens my heart as a Christian pastor is that all of these social justice conversations are happening and nearly all of those conversations are absent of God. That's my concern for where we are going as a society. I'm all for the justice conversation, but I'm burdened by the reality that these conversations are nearly absent of God Almighty. A culture that is in trouble is a culture that removes God from their conversations. So, it's been painful for me in that way But social justice as a topic needs to start in the church of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? The church has long since abandoned the role and responsibility to be the lead person or the lead organization in the conversation about social justice and change. The church, instead of backing down like it has for 200 years, needs to step up and step into facilitating conversations about social change. Because the church is the only one with the answers from God. So therefore, we need to bring God's word, God's opinion, God's perspective into the discussion, and we need to bring the gospel of God as an anchor into our lives and into the lives of those who so desperately need Christ. So as we reach out to our neighbors of every skin tone, every race, every background, as we do that as Christians, we need to do that with our anchor in the gospel. So the gospel is what our souls need. I asked you the question, what fires up your bones? What fires up your soul? What gets you really going? The answer for every Christian should be the gospel. The gospel fires me up. The gospel makes me energized. The gospel makes me encouraged, and it makes me courageous to reach out. We need the gospel more than we need anything else. And as we look at the gospel, we have the outline that we shared last week. God, sin, Christ, faith. Do we have that on a screen? I think we do. 
Yeah, next one. God, sin, Christ, faith. And we're going to be looking at this outline again, this gospel outline. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking in the arena of the justice of God. The justice of God is one of God's amazing attributes. Last week we looked at holiness. This week we're going to look at justice. So as we look at God, we're going to look at the justice of God. And then when we look at the sin part of the gospel, we're going to be looking at the injustice of man. And then when we look at the cross, we're going to be looking at the justice of the cross, how the justice of God meets there. And then faith is our response to the gospel. So let's start with part one, God. Part one of the gospel is God. And this is mainly, last week was the holiness of God. This is mainly the justice of God that we are going to talk about this week. So God is justice. God does justice. And he commands justice, okay? So the character of God is perfect. He is perfectly just in all that he does. So if you're going to look in your Bible, and if you're going to look up the word justice or judgment, all right, you're going to find that word 127 times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you're going to find it 11 times. And I just want to bring up some of these verses. Romans 3.26, we've already looked at several times. God is just. So it is who he is. It's part of his character to be just. Um, Psalm 89, verse 14, we'll put that up on the screen. It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So, um, let's go to Isaiah 33, verse 5. It says, the Lord is exalted. He dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. So, when you get to heaven, when you guys get to heaven, when I get to heaven, when we go into that place, we're going to see God. How crazy is that going to be, first of all? To see the holy, mighty God of the universe. And we're going to see him. And you know what we're going to see? In the foundation of the throne room of God is going to be righteousness and justice. You're going to see the justice of God's character. So he is justice and he does justice. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 19. God is justice and he does justice. So if we have that verse, we can put it up here. Romans 12, 19. Uh, somewhere, here it is. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, leave that up there. Just leave that on the screen for a little bit. Okay, God is evaluating your life. God is evaluating your thoughts, your words, your actions. And how many people are like, wah, wah, wah. Like when you think about God. He is evaluating with perfect justice. He is evaluating your life. Now, Matthew 12, 36 says that you're going to give an account for every careless word that you've ever said. All right, is that a little heavy? That's a little heavy. Because if you think back at your last week, all right, how many swear words did you say, for goodness sakes? Like, that's, that's heavy to think about. God's going to judge me for every one. But what about... Every careless word, every word that you just, you just threw it out there because it was a word you could throw. God's going to judge you. He's going to judge me. He's going to judge all humanity with perfect justice for the words we say, 
the thoughts we think. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then after this, the judgment. We will all stand before God and give an account for our lives, and every person on the planet right now will be in the same boat as us, going into the presence of God, and he will judge us with perfect justice. Now, the Romans 12 passage. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it for the wrath of God, because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, this one is a really hard one for us, right? This is a difficult one, because when we've been treated with a lack of justice, we want to avenge ourselves. Can I get an avengeful amen? You want, to, you, want to, you want vengeance. You want to get it even because that's the just thing to do. And if you can't do it, you're going to be calling in an Avenger to do it. All right, you're going to get Captain America on speed dial or something and say, come on, fix my problem. But this scripture passage says you're not supposed to do that. Leave room for the wrath of God. Why? Because it's written, justice, vengeance is mine, God says. Justice is mine, not yours. I will repay, says the Lord. So the hardest thing for us to do is when we've been uh, the recipient of injustice is to just sit and wait for God. And really what Romans 12 is saying is give God some space. Give him some room. So many times we crowd God with our desire to justify or to get vengeance for our own problems. And God is saying, hey, get out of my space. Have you ever had somebody in your space a little too close? Have you ever had a bad breath coffee drinker in your bubble? Can I get an amen? All right, yeah, you've had that. If somebody's in your bubble and they've had coffee breath, you know, sometimes if I'm too close to my daughters, they'll be like, dad, your breath stinks. And I said, it's the gift of coffee, my love. Here it comes. But if you're there, you're like, get out of my space. You're too tight into my space. Have you ever had somebody who doesn't know, all right, your bubble space? And they, they may have good breath, but they just don't have any self-awareness whatsoever. They're just coming in, and we're having that conversation like this. Sometimes God is telling us, like in Romans 12, get out of my space. I'm God. I've got it. You need to trust me. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. God does justice. And then he commands justice as well. He commands and expects justice from mankind. Look at Amos chapter 5, verse 24. We'll put it up on the screen here. But let justice roll down like waters, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let's look at Jeremiah 22, verse 3, where it says this. It says, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Have you ever read that before? Do it. Do justice. God is always commanding us as, as people, as his creation, to do justice. So the first part of the gospel is that God is just. And he does justice, and he commands justice. And if you don't understand that part of the gospel, you'll never be saved. He is the magnificent one who is full of justice. Second part of the gospel is sin. And when we deal with the second part of the gospel, sin, we're talking about injustice. 
Okay, so though God expects man to be just, mankind is full of injustice. Sin and injustice stains every single sinner who lives on the earth right now. That includes you and me. Every person in this gym has an unjust heart. You have an unjust heart. You have a heart that has, you know, idols of injustice in it. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. Say what? Like me? I have injustice? Yes, you have injustice in you. Now, some sinners manifest injustice in big ways, and some sinners manifest justice in really small ways. So, we are like all Midwesterners for the most part, for the most part. So we're all Iowa nice or Midwestern nice, right? So the, the kickback on this point of, of being unjust or being unjust sinners is that, well, I'm really nice. I'm really nice, pastor. I do really good things all the time. Listen, you have a wicked heart of injustice. You just really cloak it well because you're from Iowa. Amen? That's what happens. And you may not be as brash and as loud as the, in, the unjust person or the unjust person down the street, but you and I, we all have unjust hearts because we're all born into a broken world. And so we see this in Amos chapter 6, verse 12. And we'll put that up on the screen here. Amos six twelve. it says, Do horses run on rocks? Does one plow? their oxen, but you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. So they had taken, the people of, of Amos's day had taken the law, they had taken God's law, and they turned justice into poison. If you look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 4, it says, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. So Habakkuk was a prophet, and in his day he was burdened about all the sin he was seeing all across the land. And he said, Lord, look, like justice is just messed up. We can't get justice in our land. And it's really devastating because the justice that we are getting is being perverted. So injustice is all-encompassing. We're all stained by it. It's unintentional, and it's in Intentional. It's unintentional in our lives when we don't try to do it, but we do it anyway because we're sinners. Injustice is, is also um, intentional because we're wicked sinners. So sometimes you may not mean to be unjust. You may not mean to be offensive. You may not mean to, to get somebody in an unjust situation, but you do because you are a broken sinner. The other kind is the kind where you go out looking for a fight. You go looking for the injustice. You go perpetrate injustice, and that is worse, but both are sin. Now, we've all been on the giving and receiving end of this, right? So, ironic, we're preaching on this this morning because just this last week, it's been our experience um, to experience corporate injustice, right? We, we sat in this building just even a week ago, and, and listen to YMCA corporate officials look at us and say, this is a business decision. 
you do not get to stay here beyond September 30th, though we had a signed contract, a signed legal rental agreement for one year. We had to listen to them say, it's null and void, it's done, and we are sending you a letter that is written by our corporate lawyer to say, you're out, and we don't really care about where your church lands. We, we, we care, but we don't care, and that's the reality. Okay. How did I feel in that moment? I felt like it was unjust. And I, with and zeal, because I love you guys and I want to defend you and I want to defend, I believe that you matter. I believe that. And so with all my passion, with all my heart, I said, this is unjust what you're doing. Right? So I was on the receiving end. Did that feel good? No, it did not. But God is so good because he, he brings it around. And just a few days later, I was in a more private meeting where it was pointed out to me some unjust things that I had done. And I was being confronted with injustice to say, this was wrong. What you did was wrong. What you said was, was wrong. And I didn't mean for that, but it was a reality. And the Holy Spirit used that meeting in my life to say, you know what? That's exactly right. I'm wrong. Please forgive me. It needed to happen. Because in one week and within five days, I was the recipient of injustice, and then I was also the giver of injustice. And praise God for His grace, because He allowed me to see both sides. So we've all been on both sides of this. Some of you are giving injustice right now. Some of you are receiving injustice, but it's all sin. I was at a football game the other night. Praise God for high school football. Amen. Yes, praise God. So there was a quarterback. He came to the right. He rolled. He looked to the left. He threw it across the field to his, his running back who caught it. It was a little screen pass. Turned it upfield. The running back started running, started making all these amazing juke moves. And, and all of a sudden, like, he's, he's working through tacklers. Nobody can tackle him. It's amazing. He's running 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. He runs all the way to the end zone. 70, 80-yard touchdown. The crowd is going wild. Everybody's excited. But there was injustice on the field. An official had thrown that little yellow flag, right? Threw it down right in the middle of the field. And everybody's cheering until they saw the yellow flag in the middle of the field. And all the referees were getting into the middle of the field to talk with one another about what they saw. And then the officials looked at the scoreboard and they, or at the uh, scores table up there, and they said, holding, offense, number whatever, no touchdown, five-yard penalty. Okay. I was sitting around a lot of football moms. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of football moms, a lot of football dads. And you want to see fire in their bones, right? I had a bunch of moms and dads standing up saying, unjust! That is unjust! Okay, they weren't saying that. <laughs> Their language was a lot more colorful and entertaining. Can I get an amen? 
But you know what fired them up so much? Injustice. That was unjust. You shouldn't have thrown that flag. There was no penalty. But you can see our brokenness. When we experience injustice, we get fired up. We get passionate. Jesus accused the Pharisees and the religious leaders of hypocrisy because they were giving all their money to the temple, but they were denying justice. Matthew 23, verse 23 is where you can read that. Jesus himself denied, was denied justice at his trial and crucifixion and death. Jesus was denied justice. If we could throw up Acts 8, verse 33, it says, In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? Justice was denied Jesus. He did not deserve to be put to death, but it was denied him. He was denied the obvious justice that he needed. Sin is just the worst, isn't it? Because in sin, we see that God is just and we are not. Which brings us to the next part of the gospel, which is Jesus. Christ is the next part of the gospel message. And Christ brings justice. And where does he bring it? He brings it at the cross. So first of all, Jesus' life was just unbelievable. If you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... Your mind is blown by all the things that he did and said. Jesus, in Matthew 12, verses 18 through 20, said that he came to bring justice. He came to preach justice. Have you ever read that before? Jesus didn't come to be the, a good moral teacher. He didn't come to do all those things. He came to preach justice and to do it. So in Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61 we see a picture of Jesus incarnate. So if we see Isaiah 61 here, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus came not to just live a good life. He came to bring good news to the poor. Amen? Jesus came to feed the hungry. Amen? He did. He came, to, he came to give liberty to the enslaved. He came to bring salvation to those in need of saving. Jesus was the best human who ever lived. He was the God-man who came. And what did he receive for all of his goodness, all of his righteousness, all of his justice? What did he receive? Well, we killed him at the age of 33. Because that's what we do as sinners, isn't it? We see somebody good rise up. We see righteousness on full display. We see justice. We see power of God. What do we do with that? Let's kill him. What do we do with our best representatives of Jesus today? Minimize them. Throw them in prison. Execute them. Because they're filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. There are martyrs all over this earth right now for the name of Jesus. There are best people, the best people in the world. The best people the world has ever known, and they're being slaughtered in the name of saving people from, you know, too radical of Christianity. Jesus died for justice. 
Jesus did righteousness, he got killed for it. And consider 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It said, Christ suffered for our sins. The just for the unjust. To bring us to God. Jesus absorbed in himself all the injustices of you and me. Jesus absorbed it in his body. So if you think about the cross, what is Jesus doing hanging on the cross? He is taking every single unjust thing that you've ever done, every unjust thing you've ever done, and every injustice in your life. He's taking it. It's absorbing into his body as his blood goes down to the ground. He is taking all of your injustices and the millions upon millions of injustices all over the world, and he says, I'll take all of it. That's amazing. That is called substitutionary atonement. That is where he is taking your place on the cross. And Jesus is dying the death that you and I should have died. But what's he doing? He's bringing justice to bear upon humanity. We killed the best human that ever lived. We killed him and we hung him on a cross. That is unjust. We should have to pay for our own sins. That's justice for us to pay God for what we've done. But it's unjust to put the best person up as the representative for all humanity. It's unjust that he has to hang there. It's unjust that the cross has to be the reality of how we are saved. It is unjust. And yet, when we look at the cross, we see the justice of God meeting the love of God. As Christ hangs there, the justice of God, the wrath of God is being poured out upon Christ. But what is also happening as we look at the cross is the love of God is meeting there as well, saying, I love you, humanity, this much. I love you. My son is the display of both justice and love at the same time. And that's the best news in all the world. So what is Jesus saying to you this morning? He's saying from the cross, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I will take all the injustices of this world upon myself. So that's the third part of the gospel is Christ. And the final part is faith. Our response to the cross. Our response. Our response to the cross starts with faith. You have to look at Jesus and you have to believe. You have to believe that Christ is taking all of your injustices and all your sins upon himself. You have to believe that to get to heaven. Pastor can't believe that for you. Your friends can't believe that for you. Your family can't believe that for you. You must believe that for yourself. And when you authentically put your faith in Christ and his justification, it will move you to be passionate in your bones about God's justice on the earth. When you really believe in the justice of God through the cross, you will be stirred up in your soul to help see justice happen all around you. Being forgiven, right, brings you to that place where you're like, I don't deserve it. 
I don't, that's unjust. That's, I don't deserve that. Therefore, it moves me into places where I'm passionate about seeing justice done on this earth. Matthew 22, verse 39 says, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Micah 6, 8, I think we have that on a slide, says this. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus calls all true believers to care about justice. If you know Jesus as your Savior authentically, it will stir up inside your bones to care about justice in whatever form it finds in your society. Here's what I mean. When you see the story of this week where 39 sex trafficked children were found and released and, and brought to safety, you as a Christian, if you know the justice of God, if you know what you've been forgiven of, you should see that story and your heart should leap inside of you to say, praise God, justice is happening. Amen? We should care about that. Every authentic believer who knows Christ should care about sex-trafficked young men and young women. We should care about it. If you know Jesus and you know all that you've been forgiven of in Christ, you should care about the racial tensions in our country. Amen? You should care about it doesn't mean that you're going to agree with everybody around you about how to get a solution. What it means is that you should care that there is a justice conversation going on in our culture. And that should move you in your bones, in your soul. So, <clears throat> what does it look like? Well, if you got fire in your bones to care about justice in the world, it should look like prayer, and it should look like practical action. What does that mean? Well, I say prayer because of Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, and the parable that Jesus told of the persistent widow. If you care about justice, you remember this parable. The parable is of this widow who comes, and she comes to this unrighteous judge, and she says, hey, give me justice. Give me justice. And the unrighteous judge is like, Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And she keeps coming and she says, I'm going to keep coming every day because I want justice. I need justice. Give me justice. And the righteous judge gets so worn out by this woman that he says, I don't fear God. I don't care about people, but this woman is wearing me out. Therefore, I'm going to give her what she wants. You guys remember that story? You remember how Jesus applied that story? He said, Will not the judge of the earth give justice to his elect who call out to him day and night? Christian, if I'm reading Luke 18 correctly, what should be transformed in our being passionate about justice in this world is our prayer life. 
Christian transformation in our culture and in our lives and in our family and in our culture starts with believers getting serious about prayer and going to God again and again and again and again and again and saying, God, I'm going to keep bothering you until you give us justice in this situation. And Christians, I have been so encouraged by our church this last week, man. We got people praying, texting, emailing me, calling. I even had a guy say, hey, can we go on a prayer walk? Yes, we can. This is amazing. This is awesome. God has done so many things this last week, and here's why. Because people are praying. People are praying more than they have ever prayed before in our church, and I love it. And I say, let's bring more of it, God. If we've got to be homeless as a church and meet out in the snow and the cold, hey, if that gets people praying, amen, let's go. Because it's not about the building. Can I get a witness? It's about the church. We the church right here. This is it. And if God has to squeeze us into circumstances that 2020 has brought to us, he is doing it to increase and transform our prayer life. Praise God. So, what else besides prayer? I think practical action. I think as, you, as God transforms your prayer life, you'll begin to see practical things that you can do to help bring justice in this world. And there are people and believers and organizations you can get involved with. And I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit apply that to your life because I don't want to tell you all the things to do. I want to tell you as Christians, listen to the Holy Spirit. And as you pray, God will lead you into practical action that brings justice in the world that is sorely needed. So the gospel is the reality that God is just. We are not. That Christ brought justice at the cross and that our response is faith. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning in our church. God, we, we're so grateful for the word. We're so grateful for the gospel. Lord, there are injustices in this world all over the place. God, we long for the day when Jesus returns and he gives and brings justice to this earth. God, we are broken and yet we see the cross of Christ and we find our hope, we find our passion, we find our trust, we find our faith in who Jesus is, not who we are. And we see justice and mercy meeting at the cross. And Lord, for every Christian, I pray that you would put fire in their bones to cooperate with the gospel they believe in and bring justice to this earth. Oh God, may our church, may the Christians in this building live a life that is just amazing for you. Fire us up, God, to practical action and a transformed prayer life. And God, if there's one person here, one person who does not know you, doesn't know where they're going to spend eternity, doesn't know what the judgment of God will bring to their life, I pray that this morning might be the morning that you wake up their souls and bring them to a place where they believe, where they put their faith in Jesus.
God, we love you. We worship you. Now, help us now to respond to you in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen.